I'm Sydney. And I'm Julie. And this is Restaurant and Retail Revelations. back with episode three of our not so new anymore podcast restaurant and retail revelations this is a podcast made possible by revel systems and our focus is really to highlight expertise from leaders in the restaurant and retail sectors that we work with every day so as always i'm your co-host julie holkabor sitting alongside my colleague on the marketing team sydney Keita. Um, and we're marketers at revel who has graciously allowed us to add this podcast to our fun and zany list of ongoing projects. So without further ado, I will pass it over to Sydney, let her reintroduce herself and also reintroduce Steve DeSutter, who will be our guest speaker today. Thanks so much, Julie. Yeah, it's a pleasure to work alongside you and absolutely Revel has no shortage of fun and zany projects, but this is certainly the only podcast I've been you know, privileged to work on and <laughs> it's been an adventure so far. So this episode is going to continue a mini series that we've been on with Steve DeSutter. And Steve brings with him more than 45 years of experience in franchising and corporate operated quick service restaurants. So he is quite a person to weigh in on the subject of franchising and franchise strategy. Uh, he most recently served as CEO of Focus Brands and it's got a whole bunch of impressive brands nested in within that. Uh, from McAllister's to Auntie Anne's, Cinnabon, Moe's Southwest Grill, the list goes on. I can't think of a better person to weigh in on franchising strategy. And in this week in particular, we're really going to take a closer look at single versus multi-owner approaches to franchising, which Steve has experience on both sides. So um, really looking forward to learning a little bit more from him. So without getting into it too much, as I do not have Steve's amazing repertoire of industry experience in this space, we will definitely get to his uh, recorded conversation. So here's Steve. Well, I've already said, so your operating manual is a, your operating model is a, is, a, is a key consideration. If you think about Annie Ann's operating model of multiple units, international, one per mall, roughly, and 80% of the malls penetrated in the United States with a pretzel concept, the majority of those in the ends, they were the, they were the market leader. It would be, it was unthinkable to have a, 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 an owner that, that owned a hundred of those for at least in the early, the early days of the first generation or two generations of that brand. Because the logistics, it didn't make sense. The typical owner was someone, this was either a part-time or a full-time gig. They worked in the operations. They may, at the most in those days, own two Annie Ann's franchises uh, because they were close enough to each other. They could drive between them and keep an eye on them and, and maintain the staffing. Contrast that to McAllister's. Um, that was uh, was built on a, a unique development model that assumed that right from the very beginning that a franchisee would be a multiple unit owner. And then, and we'll get into the pluses and minuses in a second of support in those areas. So I'm gonna jump to that next because that's really the differentiator. In single unit operators, um, a, a, a franchisee who, is, who has bought that franchise for themselves, maybe a spouse, maybe a, a, a one of their children, 
or someone else that they're trying to put into business, they put them into business and their expectation of support of you as a franchisor may be higher in terms of just teaching them business acumen, customer service skills and reinforcing them, their ability to hire and replace turnover as you know, all of you know as operators, it's one of the toughest things to do right now is to, is to find quality people, affordable uh, people, uh, balanced full-time and part-time. And so think about that's the, one of the biggest, most challenging things you're gonna hand off today, probably gonna stay that way for a while. The multi-unit operator, no, by the way, on the single unit operator, uh, also think about the fact that the single unit operator, uh, your span of control, your support system will be different. So one person that has to travel to 20 or 30 cities to see uh, 30 units operating in the mall in each of those cities. Think about that. That's a very different proposition than a multi-unit operator who owns over time their first five and then 10 and 20 or 30 units like we had in McAllister's where there were 30, 50, 80 units and growing. Your core, your core support there was to that franchisee's organizational leadership team and infrastructure not calling on all 100 of their McAllister's. There's no real reason to do that. You may spot check them, but you're really working with a much more sophisticated operator who's teaching customer service, managing sophisticated HR systems, uh, supporting, hiring, et cetera. And so the question is, does your, which of those does your business model best support? It really is business model uh, driven. Uh, Next consideration, uh, just your, your capital requirements uh, to achieve growth, um, single digit, uh, uh, single and, and double digit unit operators. In other words, single and double unit operators, one and two unit operators, so small systems. They tend to rely on their own capital, personal guarantees at the bank. Maybe it was their savings. Oh, in the past, I saw places where they cashed in their insurance policies to buy their franchise. And, not a practice I'm a fan of. Uh, but in, and by the way, I never sold any myself that way. Uh, at that point, I look at somebody and say, that's, you probably ought to do something else. Uh, but sometimes people will, will have enough capital to buy themselves a job. So they're, 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 if, if the model has good cash flows, and Annie Ann's, for instance, was great cash flows, it was one of the highest cash flowing uh, margin businesses in the industry, uh, loved by people like HMS who did airports and hotels. Um, it could support that, but um, some of your operations can't support that capital. And so where you need uh, 750,000, a million and a quarter, those kinds of numbers per unit to build a new unit, you, you really know the answer is I need large multi-unit operators who have sophisticated financial structures, know how to go to the bank, uh, have lines of credit, uh, and, and manage that balance sheet really well because that's going to give them the ability to grow your brand. And so if your brand needs um, that kind of capital, and I think about capital above a half a million to three quarters of a million dollars, certainly multi-unit is, is multi-unit operators um, would be the way to go. Um, and finally, just last comment, this is one of those future ones looking forward. Um, it's the um, it's the, be careful what you ask for. Um, 
there's a lot of difference between managing. Uh, it, it has its it has its challenges managing a, a, a hundred single unit operators, or managing five 20 unit operators. Um, and the difference in the early days isn't too bad, but as as brands mature, as the market conditions change, as the as your need to, to manage your brand with those changes and meet those demands change, re, reinvested capital comes to the question. And who's able to reinvest that capital? Um, single unit operators, if they've got great cash flows, can do that. Big multi-unit operators may or may not be able to do that. Um, they may also begin to think that they have an option as to whether to do that or not. And they, so they begin to become bigger influences on you and on your ability to be nimble. And so uh, a, lot of, a lot of what we've seen, certainly uh, it, in the last decade, I know myself in the last six or seven years, the ability to be nimble is, is absolutely essential uh, to change. Think about what wasn't, didn't exist, Postmates, Uber Eats, et cetera, go back seven years. And those were barely a conversation in my organization. And we were we were international and, you know, and, and big company and we're saying, oh, I don't know. We literally were one of the very first to sign up for Postmates. And, and it was an argument at my executive table about why are we wasting our time? Can you imagine that today? You know, the idea of not looking at third party delivery. So nimbleness and being able to deploy the, tech, the technology and the, the, the ability to, 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 to shift your business model Kind of hard to do with big multi-unit operators who tend to want to do it their way or in a different way. So just bear in mind that as a consideration. Thanks, Steve. You know, we're we're always grateful for Steve's insights and you know what he brings to the table. I, I always feel like I learned so much and I'm actually approaching first time home ownership uh, in my life. So I deeply relate to this idea of writing out these pros and cons. So whether you're a franchisor or you're just making a major life decision like buying a home, I think a lot of Steve's insights apply here. Oh, for sure. Um, first of all, I don't envy you in the first time home ownership. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's a, such a massive decision and um, not an insignificant amount of change either. So yeah, it, exactly. The pro and con list is such a valuable tool. It's one of several actually that we heard about within this last episode. So when you're weighing your pros and cons for multi or single um, ownership for a franchise, remember to also begin with the end in mind. I thought that was very sage advice and a great reminder for all of us. You know, it's great to have an idea of where you want to take a project ultimately. And then of course, being careful what you ask for with either approach. I would extend that back to you, Julie, uh, especially when you're potentially getting into bidding wars or any of the other, we'll call them fun um, twists in the home ownership search. So, you know, definitely some great, great tidbits from Steve in this one. So as we wrap this one out, I just wanna thank everyone who tuned in today for joining us. We wanna give a very special thanks to the folks who make these episodes possible, which obviously includes Rebel Systems, our producer and marketing colleague, David Gamber, who puts these together and makes Julie and I sound as close to experts as he possibly can. And of course, to our featured guest, Steve DeSutter, for the great advice and insights that he shared with us today. 
Uh, thanks, Denine. I've absolutely taken some notes today for my home buying journey. And you know, thanks to everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Restaurant and Retail Revelations. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcast. And be sure to check back soon for new episodes.